Hello, and thank you for joining the North Point Church Lutes podcast. We're excited that you found us, and we pray that you'll come back often and listen again and again. Each week, we upload the content preached in one of the North Point Church services here in Lutz, and we pray that you'll come back and listen and marinate on what it is that God was teaching us. The more that these messages get into your heart, the more that you have the opportunity to be obedient and allow them to change your life. We believe that God is real and His Word is true, and that has the power to change your life. So let's lean in together and see what it is that God has in store for you today. It's God, man. What a joy, what a joy to celebrate Believer's Baptism. If you're watching online, um, and just last week, that was just a taste of what took place here. And if you attend regularly on at second service, I know that you have the opportunity to go right outside to participate in baptism. And I pray that you'll never miss an opportunity to walk outside with us to do that. Uh, those are real people with real stories. And uh, we want you to be familiar with those stories and get familiar not just with the faces, but with the people behind those faces, uh, that you can get to know them and hear what God's doing inside their life, because perhaps uh, it'll help you uh, move forward in your faith. We all have a next step to take. For some, for for them, it was baptism. Um, And for you, maybe baptism was your next step. August is the next opportunity to be baptized. And we'd love to be able to celebrate that with you. If you want to get ready for that, be sure to communicate with us and we'll get you ready um, for that great day. But whatever your next step is, be sure that you're praying about that and say, God, what do you want me to do next? Because that's a part of our sanctification process. God has never done in the work in the life of a believer. He's always going to constantly change us. He's going to constantly uh, mold us and make us to who he wants us to be. And uh, we're, we're never perfect and we'll never be fully um, sanctified until we're with God in heaven. So he's not done with you, no matter how old we are uh, and no matter how perfect you think you are. And if you think you're perfect, just ask your wife or your parents or your children um, if you think you're perfect. So we're not perfect. Um, so today's topic uh, has to do obviously with Father's Day because it's Father's Day. Um, and I realize that when we talk about Father's Day, everyone has a different context of what a day like this could mean and feel like, uh, because we all have uh, different experiences with our, our parents. And so if today you come uh, to church with a healthy experience with parental figures in your life, specifically fathers, um, then a father figure in your life that was a healthy, situ- a healthy figure, then today's message is easy to uh, internalize and it's easy to draw from and to, and to apply. But for those who, um, who grew up in a situation where um, their father role was not modeled from a biblical perspective, uh, maybe, maybe that father was either absent or abusive or, um, or a version of, of, of some of that, um, you have a harder time being able to see um, the metaphor that Scripture tells us about God being a loving Father. So I, I, I get the gravity of that, and I get the weight of that. And I just want to first, uh, as from the standpoint of being um, a pastor and of being the communicator to your heart and hopefully to your spirit as well today, um, I want to acknowledge that there is a, a genuine pain that's sometimes associated with that. And I want to recognize also that the Holy Spirit recognizes that pain and grieves with you in those moments where you have a hard father wound or a hard father past, because the Holy Spirit understands how difficult it is for you to reconcile this metaphor that God gave us uh, for understanding who he is. See, God being not of having no form, 
um, that we would understand chose to use a metaphor of a father so that we could see and understand. And in healthy context, it's so easy for us to put that together. But in the world that we live in today, um, the traditional family seems to be changing almost with the wind. And so we recognize as, as we approach these t- this topic today that you have a different shelf potentially that, than what the starting point is. And so we'll need the Holy Spirit's guidance to help us as we walk through this topic. So whether you're here today because, and you have a traditional father that was a healthy role model or you're here today and you had a traditional father that was a not healthy role model in this application or you have a stepfather situation, or you, you didn't have a, a father present in your life at all, and you, you were raised more by your grandparents or your grandfather, or you had a mentor or a coach, or potentially foster parents, I want you to hear today that, and understand today that there is a very clear metaphor in Scripture that God sees you as one of His children, and that God is a loving Father who can be fully trusted. He's loving and fully trusting. He's faithful. He never leaves your side. And you can always count on him. And I know that that is, is hard to reconcile because of maybe what you've experienced in your past. But take it on the authority of God's word that is 100% true. The first time that we ever hear of God referring to himself as father is when he's redeeming the children of Israel from Pharaoh. And he is telling Pharaoh that you have, your firstborn child will die as kind of a consequence of what's happening to his children of Israel, showing that there is this father role that is, that's there. And we see God, you know, it's interesting, God created us, right? He, he's the creator. So he created us. And, but throughout God's word, we don't find him throwing in our face the fact that he is our creator when he is instructing us and guiding us in the way he would like us to live our lives by the, 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 in, in the statutes and the precepts and the law and, and what he's done through his son, Jesus Christ. It's never, I created you this way, so you must do these things. Uh, he has done everything motivated by love. And instead of throwing in our face that he's our, fa- our, our creator, he, th- he says, I'm your father and you're my child. He doesn't say, I'm your creator. You know, you, you know, we've all thought this in our minds, whether we've said it to our kids or not. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out of this world, right? I mean, if anyone has permission to say that, it would be God the creator, but he doesn't throw that in our face. Instead, he reveals to us this loving metaphor as a loving father. He's created us and he calls us his children. In 1 John, as a matter of fact, chapter 3, here's what his word tells us. John says this, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. And that's exactly what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that, that we're God's children. Because they don't know him. And so we're in a world today that not everyone's going to recognize that, and maybe even in this room. So the question of whether or not you recognize you're one of God's children sits squarely on the understanding as if whether or not you know God. If you know God as your Lord and your Savior, if you know Him as your forgiver and your leader, God's Word describes Him not only as your Father, but in order for us to call Him our Father, we have to have a relationship initiated with Him. And that relationship that's initiated is found through us 
giving our life, the creator who gave us life now is simply saying for us to have, to have life back, to have this eternal life, this reconciled life with him. He sends his son to the earth for us to have forgiveness of sins because our eternal body, our, 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 our mortal bodies with our eternal soul will, will send, will spend an eternity separated from God because of a sin problem in our life. And that sin problem will, will send us to hell. It's because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden. This sin problem is carried all the way through. And unless something happens to, to take away our sins, we will suffer separated from God. And so God so loved us that he sent his only son so that whoever believes in him won't perish but have eternal life. And so we can confess our sins to him. We can call upon him to be our Lord, to be our forgiver, to be our leader. And he will forgive us of our sins. And that changes the relationship. We now have him as our forgiver and our leader and our heavenly father. And so this morning, man, it's so important that we get that right. And so today I want to talk to you about 10 different traits or qualities or habits, if you will, of a, of a godly father. And I want to put this in the context of, of a, um, there are several verses, and I won't have time to read all of them, but, but in your message notes, if you grab it on the way in, or if you use the MyNPC app, you can simply click, click on the message notes button, and it'll open up version right to today's sermon, and you can type right in there on your phone, and you'll see all the scripture references, and they're right there accessible for you on your fingertips. But so each one of these traits or qualities are all biblically based. But I will say before we get started, um, there's two temptations. One is to think that if I'm not a father, then I can tune out for the rest of the next 20 minutes. Well, don't do that because I'm telling you that the content today is good and valuable, not just for fathers in the room. Now, if you do have young children and you're still raising children in your home, absolutely huge value to you. But even if your children are grown, this still applies to you in a great way. Because even though your children are grown or maybe even moved out of the house, they still look to you and they're still expecting to see. And you still have a responsibility to have these same godly traits exhibited in your life as a grandparent. If you're a single person, if you're a single guy, one in day hoping to get married, it behooves you to pay attention to these godly principles to start beginning now to apply these to your lives because there is a young single lady out there right now who is listening to this same message who's thinking to herself, that's who I want in a guy. And so if you're a young single lady in this message, you're going to be wanting to write this list down and you're going to want to look for a man who reflects that. And if you're a young single man who is hoping to one day get married to a beautiful single lady in this church, hint, hint, and looking around in the room, if you're you're looking around, there may be some eligible people here. Get it right. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You don't want to mess this up. We'll introduce you guys after church, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) But it's important that we pay attention to these things. God is our heavenly father. And he gives us guidelines for us to be godly parents. But even the best of fathers in the room are going to fall short to the list I'm getting ready to give you. I realize what I'm getting ready to tell you in a checklist of 10 things is going to be difficult to attain. And apart from the Holy Spirit's help, you will never attain all these things. But it is something that you need to strive for and to ask God to continue to develop in you 
And never put your pencil down, so to speak, in terms of the work that you want to do inside your life in these areas. I would love for my wife, as she, as she listens to this message, to say, man, my, my husband is measuring up in these areas. But as a word of caution to all the ladies here today, that this is not a checklist in which to grade your husband by. That when church is over, you can go, well, seven out of ten ain't bad. Maybe six, make six and a half. But if today you hear something and you find that your husband is not making the grade, so to speak, in terms of the list, may I encourage you, instead of talking to your husband about where you found that he fell short, will you talk to the Lord about that on his behalf and just simply pray for him in these areas and ask God to grow him and develop him and to give him a hunger to want to grow in these places? Because ultimately, we will grow as men better when we are prayed for and when we, are, when we feel compelled by the Holy Spirit to grow us. I'm telling you, there's so many times that my wife has prayed for me, and I know she's prayed for me about certain things that she's never told me she's prayed for. But then later I'll say, man, God's working on me and doing all these things, and she'll just smile. And I'm thinking, you've been praying, haven't you? I know what you've been up to. I thought this was all me coming up with these great things happening in my life. That you've been on your knees praying for me. Ladies, you have a lot of power on your knees in prayer for your husband. And husbands, you have a lot of power on your knees in prayer for your spouse as well. So on your best days, you may not fulfill all these things well. So men, if you listen today and you feel like there's a big list of things you need to work on, instead of beating yourself up about it, Hit your knees and simply pray about it and say, Lord, there's a lot of places that I have deficiencies. But instead of me getting overwhelmed with the places that I need to work, what's my next step? Where's the next place that you want to work on and develop me? You don't have to change overnight to prove any point to anybody. But you can give God the permission to say, Lord, man, change me. This is what I want to be. This is what I desire to be. Will you begin to change me in these ways. So let's get busy and look at these things right now together. Number one, 10 qualities of a godly father. Let's look together. Number one, the godly fathers are devoted to Christ. If you want to be a godly father, you cannot fake this part of your relationship. It's not just about going to church and having your family in church, although that's an important part. You cannot fake the most important essential thing and your family will never be duped You have to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Have you given him your life? If you have, then you then receive something inside of you called the Holy Spirit, which gives you the fruits of the Spirit to be able to lead your family and for your family to see evidence and difference in who you are. Those fruits will be clearly seen and sometimes Sometimes, depending on where we are in our heart and what God's doing, sometimes they're a little harder to see. But there should always be some evidence of fruit that takes place in our lives. Some of you would understand if I said that you would recognize your dad's cologne. Do you recognize, you know, does your dad have a, a cologne that every time he's over, maybe, he's moved, maybe you're a, an adult and you've moved away, but, but whenever your dad comes over, you see him, you're like, that's my dad's cologne. He's, well, he's worn that cologne for his whole life. But, but when you hug him, it's kind of on you. 
Uh, when you shake his hand, it's his aftershave that's on you. But, but you kind of carry that with you. You just kind of know this is dad's cologne. I kind of carry that. Some of you, you're, it's not that your dad's cologne. Your dad just stinks real bad. And every time you see him, you're like, yeah, my dad has a smell, all right. He just needs a shower. But, you know, that's just a different story. He's always working, you know. But whatever it is, is that there's, a, there's an aroma to someone who's fully devoted and following Christ. When the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, there's an aroma. And when you spend time around that person, it just permeates out of us and around us. If you ever spent time with someone who you would say is a fully devoted follower of Christ, when they're gone, there's something that lingers behind that just says, they've been here. Their presence has been here. There's a dear friend of mine named Pastor Woody Johnson. He used to pastor a church in this area. We've become friends over the last uh, seven or eight years. And every time that Pastor Woody would leave, I, I, I would always feel as though he's left something behind. And what I mean by that, if I, if I could put it into words, it'd be like, I, it's like the meeting was over, our conversation was over. And if I would look down on the desk, so to speak, of our conversation, there'd be just a piece of fruit sitting here. And I'd be like, hey, Pastor Woody, you forgot your banana. It wasn't like he left a banana, but it was like there was fruit left behind in the conversation. You understand? There's just spiritual fruit all over this guy. And he was there, and while he was there, just bloop, fruit fell off. But it was for me. The Holy Spirit brought love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. There was some level of encouragement that the Holy Spirit used through Pastor Woody to bless my heart. And he left that behind. And it wasn't like he meant to do it. It just came out of him. A godly father, a father who is devoted to Christ is essential. That's number one. Would that describe you? If not, today's your day to do that. If you want to start your relationship with Jesus Christ, at the end of our service today, we have some of our leaders will be in the front. We'll talk to you about that. And we're going to hand you a new believer's guide. And we'll talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Number one, huge part. Don't miss that. Number two. Godly fathers are men of prayer and faith. Once you have that relationship with God, then there's a communication with God that happens regularly, and your faith begins to grow. And that prayer time is is a regular prayer time. And it is a private prayer time, but it's something that your family knows and is aware that you're doing. It's something that your family is keenly aware takes place. And, And if you were to ask our kids, for example, where where dad or where mom prays, they would take you to the spot that we pray. These are, this is where dad prays and this is where mom prays. We, we have a spot. Years ago, when, when, um, when Seth was young, he needed to get my attention about something early in the morning. And so he took a little post-it note and it was a very important message he needed me to have. And he didn't put it on my car keys. He put it on my prayer spot where I was going to pray. And I was like, man, praise God that he knows that this is going to be where I'm going to be in the morning. Do your children know, godly fathers, do your, and this is not a bragging thing, I'm just trying, but it made such an impression on my heart that day that I said that I am, I am telling my children something that I never told them. I'm like living something, that, and, it, and it, I'm doing it because it's my relationship with God, but I'm teaching my children about how important that relationship is with God. Do you see that? Godly fathers are men of prayer and faith. You could replace this with parents or mothers as well. Number three, godly fathers, they love their family. And this is a longer bullet point. You might need to scribble more in in this area. But in loving their family, the first thing is that they have love and respect for their wife. That they speak 
lovingly and kindly, and that they're careful to seek forgiveness when they are brash or harsh, when they say something that out of frustration or uh, when they're hangry or when they're irritated or when they just feel like they're frustrated with the world and they, they take it out on each other. When, if we mess those things up, we go back and we fix those things quickly. A, a, a godly father loves their family, loves, and it begins with loving and respecting their wife. But in addition, a, a godly father in loving their family, they also demonstrate how they value all women. And hear me clearly, man, that, that godly fathers should never objectify or devalue any woman ever. So important that we demonstrate that across the board. Godly fathers who love their families, they are in partnership with their wives. In our marriage, our partnership's a lot like a road trip. We're going down a, a road trip to a places that we've never been before. And as we're driving down this road, we're both in the front seat with very important roles. One's navigating and one's driving the wheel. And sometimes they change positions, but we're both absolutely necessary as we go down this highway together. Godly fathers, they love their family as they help their wife in good times and bad times, in sickness and in health, richer or poorer, all those things that we said in our vows. Godly fathers love their family by loving and encouraging their children. A father who neglects to show encouragement and love to their children is not making a neutral mistake with no consequence. It's a grave mistake with lasting consequences. Make sure that we're pouring in encouragement to our kids. Godly fathers believe their best in their children. This is how we show love to our kids. Again, number three, this is still number three. And godly fathers, they discipline, I mean, not discipline, they disciple and mentor their kids. And they do that with transparency. This bullet kept getting bigger because part of loving our family is that we just do the right things when we're with them. People ask all the time, well, how is it that, you know, you have such wonderful kids and beautiful kids. <laughs> Listen, I think that the best, here's the greatest thing that ever happened is that God, God captured our kids' hearts at an early age. And they chased after the Lord on their own. And they, they had incredible leaders who chose to serve in this church. They grew up in this church. And people like you who understood the importance of serving kids decided to join children's ministry and come alongside them and serve alongside them. But Jan and I discipled our kids mainly through this method, through transparency. We are not perfect people and we never placed, we don't parent from a pedestal. We've always parented from a place of transparency. That's what I love about my in laws. They've never parented from a pedestal, they've parented also from transparency. That's what I love about my parents. They're not, we're not perfect people, but we've never pe- parented from a pedestal. And I think that we sometimes do our kids a misjustice when our kids think that we were perfect. Now, as our kids get older, the information that we can share with them is we, we can be a little more detailed as the older that they get. So we've got to be careful with what we let them know as they get older. But I write my prayers down in a prayer journal, and I've told my children this all the time, that they're welcome, especially now that they're all in the ages that they are, that they can read my prayer journals. 
because I want to be transparent with them. And I said, but here's the thing. As you read the prayer journal, you may read something that, that dad thought or did or said or an argument that mom and I had or something that took place that may cause you to go, oh, dad. But whenever you find one of those things in my journal that you make, you know, may rock you, keep reading. Because you will always find that your dad will repent, take this to the Lord, the Lord will forgive me, the Lord will restore me, and I will be stronger moving forward because of it. Our kids need to see that we can fall and get back up through the restoration and forgiveness process that God offers to all of us. Because your kids will likely follow some of the similar paths and plans and mistakes that you made when you were a kid. So many kids that I've talked to over the years are like, my parents haven't done anything wrong. I haven't heard my dad ever say cuss word. I don't think he's ever cussed his entire life. You think so? Okay. You probably never worked with him in the car before, huh? <laughs> Look, I hope that you never, I hope that you've been able to keep your mouth clean in your entire life. But chances are you haven't lived your entire life without making mistakes. The worst thing that could ever happen, I think, is that your son would be afraid to talk to his father about something he's struggling with because he's afraid that dad has never made a mistake. And I don't know how to talk to my dad. He would never understand. And he would turn and talk to a, someone at school or someone with a mindset that is not based in scripture to ask how he would sort out and deal with the details of that they're facing. And they're led astray with something that is not founded in the truth of God's word. If you are fully devoted to Jesus Christ, and he has saved you. Disciple your kids through your mistakes when it's age appropriate to do so. What a big way to love your family is by teaching them you're human. Number four, godly fathers lead their family spiritually because Satan wants your family to fail. He doesn't want you to lead your family spiritually. He makes it hard for us to do that. And so we've got to fight and work hard to keep that as a priority. One of the ways in which we do that is by making sure that our children are here at church and that when we have camp and when we, because man, you know, kids, they, they learn about Christ at camp. One of the reasons why it works is here, here's the recipe is because that we, we overexpose the kids to the gospel during a short period of time. And you know what ends up happening is the Holy Spirit gets in. That's why it's effective. Yes, it's fun, and we're tired, and we're exhausted, but the Holy Spirit gets in. On a Sunday morning, we get 50 minutes to an hour and 10 minutes, depending on how long I want to talk, right? But if the Holy Spirit doesn't get an hour and 10 minutes, good luck. Next week, maybe you get another shot. Dads, families, get your kids to church. COVID restrictions are lifted, right? I mean, like we're getting back to like a breakneck speed. Isn't that true? We're speeding fast again, aren't we? Don't fill the void that was created with COVID with something else and forget to put church back in the mix. I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here today, but there's a temptation to say, let's don't go as frequently as we used to. I, I, I'm not here because I need you to fulfill me. 
We're not here because we need to, we're not, you know, trying to validate ourselves by people counting. It's not, we've always, we, as a staff, we said, man, church health is far more important than numeric growth and numerics, numerics as far as the church is concerned. But I can tell you that there is a direct correlation with people who are growing in their relationship with God in the time that they're spending with him. And so I don't want you to miss out an opportunity to be able to do that. Number five. Godly fathers, here it is, we discipline and provide correction to our kids. Our kids need correction. We just do. I didn't want it when I was a kid. Did you want it when you were a kid? No. Parents, do you look back and go, I needed it? Yes. Teenagers, if you're honest, did you want correction? No. Did you look back and go, I needed it? Yes, I needed it. Listen, if you don't discipline your kids... They just end up, you end up creating impossible, whiny, pain-in-the-butt adults. You can quote me on that. That's what happens. And you work with them. You work with these people. You know them. They're coworkers. They're impossible people. Don't create impossible people that are whiny and want their way and everything needs to make it center around them and their feelings and their needs and good grief. I need a spanking. (laughs) Now, listen, not everyone spanks their kids. And I understand that. But here's what I will say. Whatever method of discipline that you choose in your family that you agree upon with your spouse, do it. God's word tells us that we need to discipline our kids. Don't forsake it. Charles Spurgeon says this about discipline. There is often more love in an angry father's heart than there is in the heart of a father who never disciplines. Hmm. I'm going to read that again. I know it's not on the screen. You may want to try to scribble it down. So I'll say it again. There is often more love in an angry father's heart than there is in the heart of a father who never disciplines. A godly father disciplines and provides correction. Number six. Godly fathers demonstrate forgiveness. Now, you would think that's easy. And at home, inside your house, that should be the easiest place for us to demonstrate forgiveness. If your children do something wrong, dads, you need to be able to forgive them and help them restore and demonstrate how God would forgive you. If it happens in the marriage, there should be a way for us to reconcile between that marriage, demonstrate forgiveness so the kids can see that that a marriage can survive mistakes and challenges, and we move forward through that. It's important for your children to see forgiveness being established and and given at home. But it's equally as important for your kids to see that we are forgiving outside of the home. Follow me? It's one thing for me to say, I I live in peace with my family in terms of forgiveness, but then later at the dinner table, talk about how I can't stand uncle so-and-so. And I will never forgive my father, blah, 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 or my cousin, da, 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 or my, you know, or the guy at work for what he's done. We need for them to hear in our hearts always a desire for forgiveness and a desire to seek that restoration. Godly fathers demonstrate forgiveness. You see, this is not always easy to do, is it? Number seven, godly fathers, they provide for their family. Some of you may think, well, this is not how it works in my home. I'm not saying that you have to be the breadwinner. But God's word does tell us that we need to be contributing to the needs of our family. 
It doesn't always have to be financial. God could have you in a season right now where you are a caregiver with inside your home. And it's completely noble in which to do that. How has God wired you up to care and provide for your family? And if you're not sitting on your hands and sitting idle and drawing off of the family, then, and you were, but you were contributing to the family, then you were doing okay. Make sure you're contributing to the family in some capacity. Godly fathers should do that. Number eight, godly fathers strive in their lives to live above reproach. God's word tells us in Titus that we should be above reproach, especially to be an elder or a teacher. But all men should try to live above reproach. A man who lives above reproach is a man who guards his heart and his mind and his eyes. Again, that we should never objectify or devalue women. We should always keep our eyes straight. Men, just always be reminded that your children and your daughters, your sons, and people that you mentor are always paying attention to where your eyes travel. Guard your heart and your mind and your eyes. Godly fathers strive to live their lives above reproach by being men of character and integrity. Being known as a person that's trustworthy and honest and loyal. Their yes means yes. When they say they're going to do something, they do something. That they're generous and they're men of good morals. And that everyone that would know that person, that when your name was mentioned, they'd say, that's a good man right there. A godly father who lives above reproach has that type of reputation. Number nine, a godly father models serving and generosity and contentment. Each one of these could have been its own bullet, but together I think you understand the point is that there's a certain character inside us that God would want us to live and be a life that we are, we are modeling these things. These are things that God's word tells us to do. And as a matter of fact, in 1 Peter 4.10, in regards to our gifts and our serving, it says each one of you should use whatever gift you have to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So whether it's a, a gift that you have in your abilities or a gift that you have in your finances, there should be something that should be modeled in the way that you do. I was really moved yesterday, um, just specifically a really recent example. It, um, several people came over to my house yesterday as a, uh, a blessing to help my family with some work in the yard. I, it's, this last year has been tough, and I haven't done really well with some areas in my in my yard. And one of the guys said, Hey, we want to come over and help out. And I'm like, that'd be so huge. And so they came and just showed up and I was out there working with them with my son and and my hands are all scratched up and torn up today, but man, it was just so much fun to work with them. But I tell you what really impressed me, every one of them was a blessing. Don't get me wrong. But what was really special. And I think everyone that was there would, would attest to this is that a couple of the families brought their kids to work alongside them. And that is a great example of a family modeling serving. And although the kids were, were there and, and, you know, with, with plastic shovels and that kind of stuff and playing with the hose and that kind of thing, but they got to see how, they, how their parents were serving someone else. And that practical help is the way that they will learn that they will become servers as well. I think of Alan Boatman in our church who uh, is a also incredible server of our of our church and his daughter uh, it, it became an incredible server, so it becomes generational um, and, and I can think of multiple people and, and, and so i 'm i 'll get in trouble if I try to list people so i 'm going to stop but just know that i 've seen over and over the years 
how fathers who, are, who demonstrate and model serving their kids become serving models as well. It, 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 it creates a generational family model that happens, and it is a beautiful thing that takes place. May we be known as a family like that. The same thing with generosity and the same thing with contentment. May God work in our families like that. And number 10, godly fathers, they leave a legacy of faith. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is the passage of scripture that God is imploring the children of Israel on how to live as they would go forward. And he would give them these precepts, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, strength, and, and so on and so forth. In verse 7, it would say that you would take these precepts and repeat them again and again to your children and talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you go to bed and when you get up and tie them on your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders and write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. He's saying, when you lie down and when you get up, when you're on the road, no matter where you are, just continue to keep this faith in front of your kids to build a legacy of faith within your family. Some of you today, as I talk about a legacy of faith, are here today because you have grandparents and parents that were people of faith, legacies of faith. Specifically today, because we're talking about fathers, let's say grandparents, granddads, grandfathers who were men of faith, fathers who were men of faith. Oh, I pray that we would see a generation of men who would once again understand the value of what an impact it can make when we carry a mantle, not in an arrogant way or not in a prideful way, not in a chauvinistic way. We recognize that there is a responsibility that we have in order to be men of faith. What a heavy job. I mean... I only have time to talk about 10 things. I bet if you sat home today and thought about other ways to be a godly father, you could probably think of 20 more. And you'd be overwhelmed trying to think about how in the world am I ever going to measure up to these things. Here it is, Father's Day. I wanted to start my Father's Day off just, you know, I had the picture in my mind how this day was going to go, you know. It's, it's a Sunday morning. It's the day I preach, and so I don't, we don't ever do the breakfast for dads on Father's Day at my house because it's usually like we're just running church, you know. But at least I don't want to get in an argument with my family, right? <laughs> Let's don't argue about anything. It's Sunday morning. We got Father's Day. And so um, Jada spent the night at my son's house at his apartment just to visit. Jordan was home. Jana was sleeping, and I had to get Jordan ready to go, and the puppy was running around. We have this little puppy about this big. And um, I'm dealing with the cats, which I love, you know, just so much fun and uh, such. And I, I leave the door cracked to the sliding glass porch, you know, there, because the cats, they, they just want to come in and out. For some reason, they have Crohn's or something, because they just have to eat and go to the bathroom, eat and go to the bathroom, I don't know. Um, and so... Finally, Jordan is almost late for church, and I have to leave a little behind her because she's coming for band practice, and I said, I'll see you later. And she goes, where's the dog? I said, I don't know where the dog is. It's not my responsibility. Number one stupid statement. She goes, so she starts looking for the dog. Maisie, Maisie, all throughout the house, to which she says, she's outside. 
yelling, just you know, like screaming. And I'm thinking she's on the back porch. No, she is out by the lake. She is like this far away from the lake where we have gators in our lake. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine what a bad Father's Day this would be for me if I would have let our puppy get eaten? So my daughter storms out of the house, grabs the puppy, brings it in the house. She does everything in her in her heart not to get mad at me, puts the dog down, and I could just see she's just fuming, right? And she goes, happy Father's Day. And she walks out the door. And I'm like, that was picture perfect. Picture perfect. That's how my day went, right? Pretty much, isn't that pretty accurate? That's how our morning went. So thank you for loving me. I'm not a perfect dad, but I didn't kill our dog. And that makes today a really great day. I hope that you can take this list that I've given you today, and I hope it encourages you and challenges you. If it doesn't challenge you, then you didn't take it seriously. So I pray that you will. Time is now for us to wrap up, and um, on your way out, man, get a chocolate chip bacon cookie from the Bacon Boss. They're really yummy. Uh, and uh, throw an axe or two at our little, it's, it's all air inflatable. We're not going to hurt anybody. Um, but enjoy, enjoy your, your afternoon. I pray you guys have a wonderful day. Let me pray for you, and we'll go home. Father, thank you for this morning, and thank you for the chance to be with our church family. I pray, Lord, that uh, today's message, again, was uh, helpful as well as challenging. May we all be better by allowing you to change us and to make us, um, make us into better, better fathers, better parents, better leaders, better Christians. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. See you soon.